Welcome to the Spirit Anointing the Word, the podcast of Highland Church, Jamaica, New York, with Pastor Subash Cherian. We're so glad to have you with us today, and we're excited about God's Word because it gives us strength and hope for each and every day. Let's listen as Pastor Subash shares this powerful message. Father, we offer you the praise, the glory, and the honor this morning. As we come, O oh God, and this is primarily the reason why we have come, to worship you, to magnify you, to lift up your name, and come to, O oh God, to open our hearts to all that you would have us to know, to hear, and to understand through your Holy Spirit by your word. Lord, we just pray, let your name be in all and lift up the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, our Lord, our Savior, our Master, our King. Bless your people, Lord, and strengthen them. There are needs here today. There are hearts that need to be touched. There are souls that need to be saved. And Father, there are backsliders that need to be come, coming back home to you, Lord. And we pray for deliverance and healing. And touch, O oh God, needs only that you can meet. And change situations that only you can change and help your people to change in the place where they need through your Holy Spirit can change. Now we offer you the praise and the glory and the honor through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, God's people said, amen and amen. Give the Lord a clap offering, welcome once again. And precious ones that have come here, I know it's a bit of cold tonight, this morning, but you're here and the precious ones in ours and those that are watching, whether you're watching right now, this morning, or wherever, whatever time it is uh, in the parts of the world, uh, I just want to welcome you. And those that are watching later on, and for those that are watching, share this if you're on Facebook, and just uh, sh tell others uh, that you're on, uh, when you're on YouTube or other social media, and let them be part of this wonderful service in magnifying our God and our Father in Jesus' name. We've been covering about the five senses, and I'm began to talk about the five senses in three different areas of our lives. We do know the natural, the physical part, and all the five senses, whether it's hearing, seeing, touching, smelling, all of these that we know in the natural. And then there's the windows of our soul that basically have eyes and ears as well. But what I'm going to cover today, as I did the last time, is to do about the... the uh, the five senses of the spirit. And so the last time I concluded that uh, the way I concluded is, Lord, open our eyes. And that's talking about the eyes of our understanding or the eyes of our heart or the eyes of our spirit. Today, I want to continue on with what we began is to do with hearing. Uh, this is what God says, uh, he that has ears, let him hear. Of course, he's not talking about the physical, but deep down in our spirit that we will be able to hear we're living in one of the most difficult of times. This is a desperate day that we need to hear the Word of God. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to hear the voice of our, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and we need certainly to be guided and strengthened. But all that being said, I just want to say that in a desperate time we need, because of the excesses, because of people that go out of the boundaries and the limit of the Word of God, certain things have to be addressed. And so when we hear uh, what we hear, we need to determine and we need to recognize if it is God or if it is something else. Right now, there's so many voices, some things that you cannot pick up, the radio waves and so many things across the world that comes here. And then again, the voice of things that's there of yourself or maybe uh, even the evil one. There's the voice of pressing needs in your own heart, and then there's the voice of the Holy Spirit. In the midst of all of this, just like when you fine-tune a radio or television, you just get the channel that you want, or the radio station you want. In the same way, you must be able to fix to that place where you know it is God, God's Word. And how do we uh, put this into practice? Remember, the litmus test is one, the Word of God, the written Word of God, and number two, the Holy Spirit. I want to cover eight subjects. I won't be able to cover it today. But I would begin by talking about the voice of God that is the spoken word. That is how it all began. And then I would go to number two, that would be the voice of God through the prophets. Uh, God at sundry times, 
and in diverse ways spoke to our fathers by the, through the prophets. And so that would be of the Old Testament, our fathers in the Old Testament. And then the finality of uh, the word that comes to us, all of this at sundry times, but in these last days spoken to us by his son, Jesus Christ. And this is the sum and substance of God's word to us through the one to whom he has made the foundations of the world. Number four, the Holy Spirit, because the Lord Jesus Christ can be at one place at one time in the flesh, but now the same, he said, just like me, and he would talk to you. He would testify you of me. He would guide you. He would counsel you. He'd comfort you. All of this he talked about, number four, the Holy Spirit. Number five, a very important thing is the litmus test is the written word of God, and I'll try to cover that today. Number six, it's a matter of what would be the spirit anointed in the word, and that is number six. And this is very important. That is what we would want to cut our teeth into today so that we would be able to understand how the spirit speaks to us, anointing the word to our hearts. There are times when we don't have chapter and verse, and those are not dogmas, but I want a word, a relevant word to do in terms of should I go for this particular job or should I do this particular thing? So we don't have a chapter and verse, but certainly it has nothing to do with dogma. It has nothing to do with adding to or actually uh, putting into what would be uh, pet doctrine. No, it is simply per, uh, to do with now and, uh, and the situation that we face. And so we need a relevant word, and the Holy Spirit does speak to us without contradicting the word of God. And then seventh is basically how we need to recognize here, and yet it is deeper than here, it is listening with our own heart, with our own spirit, which is simply comes to that one fact of obedience. And so here, listen, obedience, number seven. And number eight will be, Lord, open my ears. Just like I concluded about the eyes of the Spirit, Lord, open my eyes, we'll be concluding this session before we go into tasting and touching in the Spirit as well. These are five senses, just like we are born when we basically develop these five senses in the natural we develop it in the solical part, and I'm not going to do that, but the world has a whole lot to say, because if you want to do well with the world, and things to do with the world, you need to awaken the senses deep within your soul. But what I'm trying to tell you is far greater than all of this is literally the spiritual, our hearts, our mind, and everything to do with the spirit, seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, and all of that. So I want to talk, number one, about the voice of God. That's how it all began. When you look into uh, the book of Genesis, you see the voice of God. Literally, we don't have to go through all of this. Uh, it'll take a lot of time. But Genesis chapter 1, 3, the word of God comes. God spoke. The light came into being. Genesis chapter 1, verse 6, you find again God speaks, and suddenly the firmament comes into being. Genesis chapter 3, verse, 10, verse 11, uh, what you find is the grass he says, let there be herbs and so forth. Genesis chapter 3, and when you go on to verse 14, you find light in the firmament. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20, it is speaking about literally the, the uh, creation and the creatures of the sea. Genesis chapter 1, verse 24, talking about the creations and the creatures on the land and so forth. And this is what he says, the Lord said, and this is a spoken word. But what do you find from the book of Genesis all the way to the last book of the Bible, Genesis chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 21, you're going to find this is how God speaks. So when you find that the first words to a man, it is literally, of course, he, God speaks as always spoken to Adam and Eve. But what we find is when they sinned and when they were naked and when they were hiding, you find in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and verse 9, we can read that. And they heard the voice of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. So they heard the voice of the Lord, and of course, the voice of verse 9 goes on to say, where are you? And that is very important. So what you find is how the words to man begins. And of course, there were constantly words. Uh, that were way before this because this was a communion in the spirit soul body 
But when you close out in chapter, the last, second last chapter of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3, God's voice talking about how he will tabernacle among men, and he talks about, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God shall be with them, and be their God. That is powerful when you hear the voice of God speaking. Uh, it is uh, in our spirit, and it can be audible voice. It can be in so many ways through vision, dreams, and so many variates of way. But again, let me just tell you how important it is to understand the word and understand the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Holy Spirit. I want us to realize something very important is when you go through scriptures, you get a description of the voice of God. Chapter 18 of Psalm and verse 13 talks about the thunderous voice. That's the power of his voice. Genesis, Psalm chapter 19 and verse 7, that the word, his word is truth, and, uh, and, and, his test, and uh, the testimony of the Lord is wise, making, making wise the simple. Again, in Psalm 29 and verse 4, the word of the Lord is powerful. The word of the Lord is majestic. That is to say, it is pure, it is majestic, it is powerful. So we need to understand there's a whole uh, description of the voice of God in Psalm 29, Psalm 19, Psalm 119, talking about the law and the commandments and the testimony of the Lord, all this to speak, the words of God. That would be the written words. And so there's a lot of things to do with that. But what I want you to understand is, in, during the time of the patriarchs, uh, law, long before, uh, way before the prophets, God spoke audibly in uh, ways that uh, we need to understand. It could be audible, it could be in the spirit, it could be within circumstances and situations, but certainly he spoke and the people heard it. For example, God spoke to Noah. When you turn to Genesis chapter 9, verse 15, it was audible, it was voice. God spoke to Noah saying, and this is a very direct uh, word and uh, uh, that God is speaking to Noah. And then again in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, God is directly speaking to Abraham. And this goes on. In fact, there is a communication between God and Abraham. Uh, he's called a friend with God. But when you come to uh, the time of Moses, Exodus chapter 24 and verse uh, 12, we find God speaking to Moses. And when on the mountain, those 40 days, uh, Moses just loved to spend time with God. It was as, so to speak, in an opaque way. God spoke to him face to face, and, and the voice was very clear to Moses. In fact, it was there in one of those uh, moments of the 40 days that God's fingers wrote the commandments on the tabernacle or on the, temp on the, on the stone. What you find is suddenly the finger of God, talking about the Holy Spirit, begins to do things. And again, Jesus talked about the finger of God doing miracles. That is the Holy Spirit working within, just as he does in Genesis chapter 1, the early part, verse 2, and the Spirit of God moved. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But what we find is the, the way in which the patriarchs heard from God, they had no books. Job did not have books. So we need to understand, they begin to hear, they begin to surmise, they begin to, in so many different ways, God speaks, even through circumstances, visions, dreams, and he still that, does that today, but with a big difference, because we live in the New Testament. We have the Word of God, and we have the Holy Spirit. I want us to understand the second way that God spoke in the history is uh, certainly in the Old Testament were the prophets. Uh, for some reason, the church gets mixed up with the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophets. Big difference. You can't compare the Old Testament prophets with the New Testament. Number one, the Holy Spirit had not come upon people then. And even when he did come, it was for a season. He came, he went, he came, he went, he came, he, and he went. But when you look into the New Testament time, the Holy Spirit is here to stay, and he's here to abide. And Jesus Christ gave us instructions that he will abide with us, he will stay with us, he will guide us, he will counsel us. The olden days, the prophets were needed so desperately, not only because they spoke the word, but they were considered as seers. So in other words, Saul lost his donkeys, and so someone told him there's a prophet in Ramah that would be able to speak and be able to tell you, articulate where. It has nothing to do with dogma, it has nothing to do with doctrine, it has nothing to do with a particular 
aspects of the book, but literally something to do with lost and found. Now, it's possible today you don't have the chapter and verse, but certainly God speaks to you and confirms it in a situation where it has not to be in the book, uh, chapter and verses, but certainly to do relevant, it's for you and not for the entire body, certainly, or not even for the entire church community. But specifically, it is something. But what happens is when he comes to speak and to find out where his donkeys were, it took to a different realm in which now he's speaking into the life of Saul and speaking, so to speak, to the whole nation to say, here, God has anointed you to be a king. That is far bigger than looking for his personal donkeys. Now coming to the office, now coming to a place where he would be called to lead, that is totally and far bit different. When you look at the prophets of old, they were very powerful, and they were what would call not a hit and miss. They had the word of God. The prophets of the Old Testament are basically, we sometimes... Uh, called them the minor prophets and the major prophets, not because one is a minor and the other is a major. The prophets who wrote the books, they were considered minor because the books were short, and they were considered major because, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, their books were larger. But they were all prophets, nevertheless, and there were prophets who did not write books. For example, you have one of the greatest prophets that is simply like Elijah and Elisha. They did not write, but they were prophets indeed. But I want us to realize that the prophets of the old, they had the spirit of a come and go, and they were at that point when they were in the spirit, so to speak, in an office, they spoke those words. Uh, and that is words that are definite of the Holy Spirit, words that were not hidden miss. Uh, the olden day prophets could not miss. You could know what is the true and the false prophet if whatever they said did not come to pass, in some instances, extreme cases, if they failed, take them out and stone them. If we do that in the New Testament, there would be a lot of prophets missing in the church. So understand it's too different. And secondly, no prophets of the New Testament add to any word of God. No, no, no. If you think their books is more important than the Bible, my advice to you is take it out and burn it. Let me just remind you that nothing can take the place of God's Word, not even the prophets of today. The Word of God is the litmus test in the Holy Spirit. So the Old Testament prophets, they did write book, and they did not hit and miss. The reason was they were for a definite period. Now, if you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, listen to what it says. God, who at sundry times... And in so many different ways, spoke in time past unto our fathers by the prophets. So to our fathers, not my father in the flesh, or not yours or grandfathers, but going back in the Old Testament to our fathers in the Old Testament. God spoke to them by the prophets. And so the voice of God, the word of God came to the prophets and we realize how marvelous Paul, Peter writing in the Second Peter chapter 1 verse 21 says, holy men of God were moved and they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so they spoke, they uttered in so many ways those things happened. I want us to realize one thing about the prophets is they spoke the word of God. So it's very common to hear, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. They were not verbuse, they were not repetitious, they were not saying, yeah, 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 hear me, you got to hear me today, 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 today. You know, those things are a big question mark when you hear people talk about it. You got to trust me. They did not ask you to trust them. They just told you, this is the word of God. Constantly repeating today, this morning, this afternoon, God's words are not superfluous. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, let your words be concise. And when God speaks, he doesn't go on round beating the bush. The moment someone speaks like this, going round the bush, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You don't know what, you, what he's talking about. And the Holy Spirit really wonders what he's talking about. He's talking from his flesh. So understand it's very important for you to understand. A couple of the big red flags that you see is yes, before I say anything, the God speaks today through prophets in the New Testament. But when I talk about the prophets, they are basically here to confirm or God will confirm what they said if it's true. They cannot and do not direct your life. 
If you are a believer, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must guide you. It simply, if, it, if he's not speaking to you, simply means either you're not getting into the word or you are not in communion with the Holy Spirit. God's love, God's grace, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you is basically a great benediction. Nobody can take the place of God's written word. Nobody can take the place of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody can take the place of the Holy Spirit. No, not a single person. But we are here to simply point to come to that place, the final authority, and I'll talk to that about that in just a moment. But there's something about the prophets of old. They said, thus saith the Lord, and this is very strong. I know Billy Graham used to say, the Bible said he's very accurate. But when a person today said, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, 20, 30 times, I don't see that reputation. They said one time. And we need to be careful because one of the red flags you see is the gainsaying of Cain and the gainsaying of Balaam. Jude 1 verse 11 and Revelation, the Lord Jesus Christ spoke about the Nicolaitans and about the basically Jezebels and also about Balaam. Why? Because that's the New Testament. He's talking to a church. The red flag is simply and the early part of the early century uh, Justin Martyr and Chrysostom and the great uh, church fathers found this to be so prevalent that they had to make a quick judgment and said, anyone who talks about money and prophesy and money and prophesy and preach and prophesy and money, we got to get them out because they're making a merchandise to the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you cannot do the two. People give you, but it's not because you ask is because the Holy Spirit gave. The moment you begin to make things, and the moment everything is directed to yourself or to a particular denomination and not to the Lord, red flag. We're seeing a lot of that today. But you ask me, does God speak today? Of course he does. Will, uh, does he speak to the prophets of the New Testament? Of course he does. Does he speak to prophecy? Of course he does. In fact, the Bible says us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, simply don't forbid the prophesying. Don't look down upon it. But in verse 21 of the same chapter says, keep a watch. Let all things be done and keep a tight uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll wait till that. Chapter 5 and verse 20 and chapter 5 and verse 21. It says, despise not prophesying, but look what it says in verse 21. It says there in the next verse, prove all things, hold fast to what is good. Prove all things. Because of these red flags and because I want you to understand just because there's a lot of counterfeit dollars should not negate the genuine ones. But where there's so much of abundance of uh, fake currency, you are even afraid whether the genuine you have is real or not. So there would always be something like that, but it should not keep you from being blessed. Now, when you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 29, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, Paul is writing and says, let the prophet speak, two or three, let others judge. Coming back to the Old Testament, you dare not judge a prophet because he enunciated the written word. What he spoke was written and that was uh, uh, basically infallible words that were written. Uh, he was on office, he was in the spirit, what he spoke, he spoke. The moment he was out of the spirit or out of the office, he says, give me a glass of water, woman. That's not Tatran words, it's simply his words. But when he spoke, it was, that is not so in the New Testament. You do not add one word to the scriptures. No, not an iota of anybody's word to the scriptures. The word and the end of the book of Revelation in chapter 20, final. It's the over. All the others, basically, understanding is speaking to us and uh, confirming. And the most important thing is it's about exalting the Lord, exalt, uh, it's edifying the church, and evangelizing the body. Now, that being said, we'll talk about how God speaks. I believe with all my heart, God speaks today, and we need to be very uh, careful, and we need to understand, we need to know the word. Nobody can do that homework. We must be as wise, like um, Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, wise as the Bereans, that basically search the scriptures daily, 
whether these things are so. And so not only the fact when a word, today a prophecy comes and a prophet says, you got to marry this one, you can tell him, go get married yourself. You know, the thing about it is God has to speak to you and God needs to, otherwise I would say you're out of communion. Of course a prophet can speak and a few days later God will confirm, but usually God will speak to you and you don't know whether it is God speaking and then suddenly somebody will come and say, I feel in my spirit this is what God is saying, and boom. We had, during Pastor Wright's time, a woman who used to be, we used to call it the bathroom prophecies. When women go to the bathroom, they begin to, she begins to prophesy. Always with the particular intention, it was simply, Pastor Wright called it the bathroom prophecies. For those who have been there know, he had to take an action, and people said, oh my God, he said, out, before we basically uh, expose you openly. Because a whole lot, including women, lost her life-saving because of these uh, words that she began to talk. Be very careful. When you talk about prophecies, the prophets of old, the Bible says, who at sundry times spoke to our fathers through the prophets, simply means that was the means and the ways in which the Old Testament prophets spoke to the people of Israel. Now, this is different from Saul. Samuel speaking about the lost donkeys of Saul. But he's speaking about Saul in a definite way about him being a king. Of course, later on he said, don't worry about your donkeys. Your servants have found them. But let me just remind you, the words were, thus saith the Lord. We need to be very careful when people say, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. God doesn't have to verify constantly like him. People are, really may not believe I'm speaking, so I need to add this, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. God is confident in what he says. He doesn't have to keep. Like me coming to you and saying, my name is Subhash, my name is Subhash. And I say, excuse me, are you sure you are Subhash? So you need to understand, God doesn't have to reiterate. Uh, it's concise. Like I said, Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, let your words be yea or nay. And he doesn't, is not superfluous with words. So when words are uh, superfluous, uh, words begin to go and keep adding to the words, you need to be very careful about that. Does God speak? He does speak. And that's why sometimes you find that when you judge in a spiritual sense, there is one that started in the spirit and ended in the flesh. We need to know where it was in the spirit and when it is of the flesh. And understand this, ultimately you are responsible for the words you hear because you have to be the final judge. No one can do that for you. That is why it's always a good test if in doubt ask the counselors, ask the others, ask the church leaders, because in the multitude of counselors there is wisdom and there is safety. Now all the important decisions come in many ways, but when it's important you need to be even more careful and be studious like Berians about the word, be studious in understanding how it works. Understand and get to know from others. Uh, this is what I was told and this is what I feel. It's always good to be on the safe side. And remember that is what ministries are here to help you and across the world, the churches. Thus said the Lord is very important. I know in the 1950s, a mighty uh, man used of God mightily. He would say, thus said the Lord. He was accurate in most of the times until the end he began to basically think of himself as the last day prophet and uh, he got messed up. Uh, people began to mess him, they began to follow him. They began to chatter in verses words uh, and uh, William Branham, just a great man, lost out and God took him home. Uh, I believe he saved and a uh, wonderful man of God, but God had to take him home only because they were defying him and that is a big no. And I want you to understand people who do discredit to people of God who speak and blesses them, when the moment you defy them, it is dangerous. I will be talking about number three, about the Lord Jesus, but before I come to that, I want you to understand, he's the final seal of God's voice today. So if any time you follow, and we try not to let people uh, hold on to us, uh, we are not going to be anybody's crutches. We will help you, we'll nourish you, and then we drop you to the Lord Jesus because he is the one you should look to. We only point you to the Lord Jesus. At any time when you're healed and the healing prophet says, you've got to consult me for everything. When you have breakfast, when you have lunch, when you're getting married, when you put the lights on, cut him off. He's a false prophet. Or he's a prophet that's taken too much of your life and you are following the wrong person. The Holy Spirit in the Word of God is very certain. 
pointing to the Lord Jesus. Law and the prophets and the Holy Spirit points you to the Lord Jesus. He will not testify you of anybody, not even about your pastor. So you keep, keep your eyes upon Jesus and know that he's the Lord and he's the one that the Father says, hear you him. He is my beloved son and that is very important. I find this important because when you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 10, God is speaking to Samuel, a prophet in making, and you find he missed. Uh, Eli had to tell him, this is how you, this is the God speaking. It's always good, even though Eli is not the perfect priest, but you still need a mentor in some respect or the other. And thank God, one of the greatest of all prophets, Samuel, was made. God spoke to him, Samuel, Samuel, then, God, then Samuel answered and said, speak, very important for your servant, he, hear it. One of the things that when we receive from the Lord is we are his servants and we are his waiters. The Lord is not our waiter. The Lord is not we're pressing some Aladdin's lamb and a genie comes out and says, I'm God, what can I do for you? Never happened, will never happen. God is God, will always be God. We need to wait for him. Again, I find in First King chapter 19 and verse 12, the still small voice. Now, when you come to Revelation, you really cannot make one as the final because there's the thunderous voice of God, the loud voice of God, the voice of waters flowing. But this is a sort of a still small voice that he speaks to us. But what I want us to understand is Isaiah seated in, in the temple, like you are in the church, or like you are watching what's going on in the service today. And Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, listen to what Isaiah says. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? I heard the voice. And so it was, he saw, we, we talked about, he saw the angels cry holy. He saw the train fills the temple. These are what he saw in the spirit and now what he hears. And this is uh, amazing. He heard the voice of the Lord. This is very much the theme of the Old Testament prophet that you find that write the scriptures. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 10, he's speaking through the prophet to King Ahaz. Chapter 8 and verse 5, He's speaking to him again, that is the Isaiah. Then again in Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 4, God again is speaking through the voice, the word came to, the, to Isaiah saying. That has been the case with Amos, that's the case with almost Malachi and Micah and all of them. Look at what it says about Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 11, verse 13, verse 14. All of this, moreover, the word of the Lord came saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And so it is a conversation of someone that Jeremiah has learned to fine-tune and hear and knows it is the voice of God. And that goes on to verse 14. And that is all over. You find suddenly God saying in chapter 18, I want you to go to the potter's wheel. And how does he know? Because he's in tune. And the things about the prophets is they have always been in tune with the voice of God, the words of God, and also to the Holy Spirit. The kings of the, New of the Old Testament, they were great people, and some of them lousy people. Even the best of them, um, David, fell. Even the great judge like Gideon fell, and Samson fell. God was gracious with all of them. But you do not see the prophets fall. Uh, the prophets didn't live in luxury, not in any sense of the word. Amos was a gatherer of fig leaves. Uh, you don't see him flying a fig leaf airplane. You don't make an airplane with fig leaves. But yet they were herders. They were small-time people. There were people who were wealthy too, but it was not the reason by the prophecy, uh, word of uh, prophecy, they became rich. But there's something you need to understand. They heard the words of God and they enunciated the word of God. When you look at what you find in Ezekiel, uh, he was actually one of those enslaved, taken out of his own homeland like Daniel, and by the river of Cheber, he is basically hearing the words of God. You remember the famous passage in 37, uh, the Spirit of God tells him about the dry, dead bones, but look what it begins with in Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 2. And so when you go back, and the Spirit entered me when he spoke unto me, and he spoke to me. It's 
powerful. But again, go to Ezekiel uh, chapter 1 and verse 3. This is how the word of God comes. Uh, it says, And the word of the Lord came expressingly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Bozi. Again, in uh, Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse uh, 16, you again hear the word of God. And it came to pass at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, It was like they were in communication with the Lord that the word of God would come. And they were holy men set apart to be people that enunciates the word of God. And theirs was written as well because the words were infallible. Now, when you look at uh, another man by the name of Jonah, I am so grateful. This man was a pouting prophet, and he failed, and God did not give up his purpose, and I hope he will never give up on us in spite of our foolishness. Look at what it says about Jonah, chapter 1 and verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amity, but he flunked, he failed. He was a pouting prophet, and when you turn to chapter 3, and verse 1, look what it says. And the word of the Lord came a second time. Thank God for the second time, the third time, the fourth time. God's word is so gracious and powerful. Now, that was the, in many ways how the Old Testament people heard the word of God through prophets. And they were unique. They were different from the New Testament. And the Holy Spirit was not given like Sam, uh, King Saul didn't have the Holy Spirit. You are not King Saul. You have the Holy Spirit. He needed a seer. He needed to know. Today, when you go seeking a psychic, it is evil. Now, no Christian pastor or prophet can be a psychic today. But when you go uh, understanding God has a word for me, or when he comes to you, understand it's not in the same respect as the Old Testament seer, where you basically say, oh my God, this God, God himself come to me. No. He's coming, and he's gifted, and somebody else has the gift of healing, avail yourself of what God do, but don't follow them, follow the Lord, because he's the giver of gifts. And understand, there's so many gifting that gives, one of them is prophecy, and there is five offices, one of them is the prophet. And again, avail yourself, but don't follow them. I find this a very difficult situation where once you get healed, once somebody prophesies, and then they want you to follow him, you can't do anything without them. No, you have to attach yourself to the church, and that is God's remedy, gathering yourself so that we would be able to be equipped and be together, and that is very important. What I find, number three, and this is very important, I'll be doing number eight, but remember, three is the most important because uh, the finality of all of God's word, the voice of God, uh, is found in this. And when you turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verse, let's read verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. God, who at sundry times and in diverse play manners spake in time past unto our fathers by the prophet, verse 3, verse 2, hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. We're still in the last days. He's speaking to us, not through prophets, not through, but this is Jesus Christ. He is the chief prophet, he's the chief priest, and he's the chief intercessor, he's chief everything. So he's the highest and the greatest. So if anyone would represent, we're only representing the great. I talk to you, and I'm not the one. I'm only talking of the one. He's the chief priest, he's the chief pastor. My only intention is ultimately you would get to hear him, get to know him, get to love him, and if you haven't, that you would come to him and be born again by accepting Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand this is very important. In these last days, unspoken unto us by his son, we are still living in the last days. So when Peter said in Acts chapter 2, these are the last days, I will pour my spirit, then this must be the last of the last days. He has appointed heir of all things by whom he made the whole world. So we find in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. All things were made by him and without him was nothing made. So this is very important. Again, look what the writer of Hebrews says in verse 3. It's very powerful. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, that is the Father, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat on the right hand of the majesty on high. That is the word. And we need to understand, uh, 
you know, I understand Jehovah's Witness says we are Jehovah's Witness, but I want you to understand what Yahweh, our Adonai, our Master said, our Father in Heaven said. Acts chapter 1, 8, you shall be my witness, the Lord Jesus Christ saying, the Holy Spirit has come to witness us because it is the Father has given Jesus Christ the ultimate and we need to understand no other name but the name of Jesus and we need to recognize that. How important it is if you have to hear, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17 while Jesus was being baptized and this is the words that come from heaven. Lo, look, a voice from heaven saying, and this is Abba's voice, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He has not given Michael, he's not given Gabriel, he's given us Jesus Christ and heed to what he says. What is so amazing is the same voice comes, but much later. This is when Jesus Christ, our Lord, was in the Mount of Transfiguration, and now representing on that mountain was two of the greatest figures of the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah. You're talking about the prophet and the law. And when you talk about Moses, the law, and Elijah, the prophet, what you find is they've come to second and to point out to Jesus, that is the law and the prophets, all they were talking about ultimately is found in the person of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that you find in the tabernacle, everything that you find in the Old Testament, whether it be the sacrifice, the priest, the temple, the every uh, molding and everything that is projected in the temple, in the clothing, in the covering, in the tabernacle, all of that is pointed to a picture image or what would be a type, a symbol of the Lord Jesus. Now when he is come, I don't need the old. There's a big difference between the old and the new. In the Old Testament, they had to see the blood, the priest. They had to hear the words of the priest. They had to see color. They had to hear noise. And that was how in the natural, so everything was literal. But in the New Testament, is more powerful. Everything is in the spiritual. And I want you to understand, spiritual is greater than the natural. And so when you go into the New Testament, you don't need to have someone dressed in the red array with a cross with gold and diamond. Oh, I feel I'm in the church. My friend, you are in the church without that. Oh, you got to hear the bells ring and king, 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 king. Then you bow and bow down and say, yes, Lord, you're alive. My friend... You don't need to hear all that bell ring. You still know he is well and he is reigning. The New Testament is the move of the Holy Spirit and you are blessed with all spiritual blessings then come into your soul and into your body. So understand this very well. We need all of the Old Testament, the prophets. But now in these last days are spoken to us by his son Jesus Christ. And listen to Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5. And why did the father say this? He said, and yet he spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed and a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Why? After who spoke? You know, Peter said, let's make a mold. One for Moses, one for Elijah, one for Jesus. You never put these prophets and the law on level with Jesus. Moses, I love him. But he was a servant of the house. Jesus is the owner of the house. I want you to understand you cannot put the three into one. You cannot take the Old Testament and feel that you can move in the old, into the New Testament. You can't go into the old way of circumcision and all that paraphernalia of the old. It has a pleasing appearance when you come in with the old way, put a ram's thing and put on a sh prayer shovel on you. Oh my God, he's only my friend. He's just like you. He's dressed like a whatever it is. But what you need to understand, the anointing is what is important. And the anointing is not by the noise and superfluous things that you see, but it is the words and the, and the Spirit of God speaking and illuminating and equipping. What is important is, here is the Father's voice coming in saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So Hebrews 1 and verse 4 says, he is the express image. Verse 2 says he created all things. Now that is very important. The spoken word has now become the word in flesh, incarnation. So when you read John chapter 1 verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. So he walked among us. He walked in the shores of Galilee. He went about Nazareth. He went about Cappadocia and all these places healing. And so here is the word come in flesh. It's important we understand the word becoming flesh is what saves us. Thank God for his teaching, but the reason he came for this, that he would die for us. So he begins to speak to us, and these words are recorded, and it's very important. The gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, begins to speak about him, and it's the story of our Lord Jesus Christ, what he said, what he did. And now that he's gone, before he went, Acts chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says, all that Jesus spoke and all that Jesus did, and now... Acts of the Apostle continues in the lives of the Apostle through the Holy Spirit. Still he is doing and still he is teaching everything today. So the Holy Spirit is making us to be his body, his hands, his feet, his mouth. So we would do exactly what Jesus Christ did in our day. Why? Because of us? No, because of the Holy Spirit in us. We are at best instruments, channels. If God can use a donkey... And if God can use a raven, certainly you can use, you can, he can use any one of us through the Holy Spirit. Something very important, there are times in the Old Testament you find the people found it hard to even hear even a prophet like Balaam. And God used a donkey to speak to him. I'll talk about that much later. But very important that if you were to look at the sum and seal of, a pro, of the word, and the voice of God, it is ultimately found in the Lord Jesus. And everything else points to the Lord. And this is important because towards the end, he begins to speak about, about um, the Holy Spirit. Uh, when you turn now, number four, the Holy Spirit, um, I mentioned Ezra, uh, Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 2. He is in the Old Testament, as, and it says, And the Spirit entered into me when he spake, and set my feet, and I heard that he spoke unto me. And uh, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 12, again he's talking about, uh, Then the Spirit of God took me up, and I heard behind me a voice of great rushing, saying, Blessed be the glory of the Lord. The Holy Spirit came upon these prophets and then left. He came upon them, then he left. Again, uh, Ezekiel 37 talks about how the hand of God carried him and the Spirit of God spoke to him. You can see that conversation and how Ezekiel in his uh, dream was used, in his vision was used, and that's talking about the end days. But what I want you to understand is when you come into the New Testament, you're not looking at the prophets of the old came and went, or on David, and, f and then he left. Um, and the reason I say that is the Old Testament, you find the Holy Spirit coming and leaving. Oh, why else would David cry this when he sinned grievously? And when there was true repentance, listen to what he says in Psalm 51 and verse 11. I want you to look at the later part of that psalm. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. The Holy Spirit is abiding in you. When you sin, he's grieved, but he doesn't leave you. And uh, there's only very seldom chance when you basically blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Now, don't get into that. You would, if once you do that, you have no love for the Lord Jesus. You have no love for God's people. You have no love for God's uh, word, and that is different. So don't feel, oh my God, I must have grieved the Holy Spirit. No. Um, the very fact that you are asking yourself simply means you haven't. Uh, if you have, you wouldn't even be bothered off, and you'd be cursing the name. No man calls Jesus Lord unless it's of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand, when Jesus Towards the end of his ministry, he began to talk about someone just like him. But he will be with us at all time, at any place, at any time. And so now Jesus is now in the flesh mood, and he's basically gone to heaven, and he's uh, seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. But we're not alone. We're not left orphans. We have a comforter and the Holy Spirit. So when you turn to Acts, uh, John chapter 13, uh, verse 14 and verse 16, let's just go a couple of verses here. I will pray the Father and he shall send you another comforter that he may abide with you 
forever. Do you see the difference? Abide with you forever. Now, which is important, I will pray to the Father. He comes from the Father. He's the promise of the Father. He is a person. He's happy. He can be grieved. He can be hurt. All of that is in the Bible. So he's not simply a force. He's a person. But his role is to testify of Jesus and to show you and to guide you. So when you turn to Acts chapter 15 and verse 26, listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ said about the Holy Spirit. He said, when the comforters come, and John chapter 15, uh, John, I'm so sorry, I said Acts, John chapter 15 and verse 26, and here is what Jesus said, but when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, that is what he is, he proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. No one else. The Holy Spirit is not going to be used by anybody trying to pamper themselves or enrich themselves or make themselves famous. He's only come to testify of Jesus. Pause here. Is whatever being said glorifying the Lord? Is whatever said lifting up the Lord? Is whatever said is lifting up someone else, enlarging somebody's purse, enlarging somebody's popularity, or is it about the Lord and only about the Lord? That is for you to judge. Listen to what it says in, first, in John chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. Again, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Howbeit when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. So can he guide me today? Yes, I will talk about that. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. There's sometimes the Holy Spirit comes in a unique way, not simply an individual, but on a collective level. Like the Old Testament, he had to speak to Saul, but then uh, Samuel spoke on a larger sense to do with a nation and to do with a position of a king that would lead them. The Holy Spirit is speaking to Peter. Peter had what would be a tradition, a culture, we need to recognize this. The Christians are in a lot of quandary because sometimes it's their culture, their race, and their nationalities speak greater than the Holy Spirit. They vote according to culture, according to the race, according to the nationality, rather than value and what God's Word says. Um, you know, I don't blame people because Peter was like that. Peter's a man who is anointed of God. He's the man the um, in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and verse 14 stood up when they were wondering what's going on and he's the one who presents uh, this is what the Joel said but all that being said the Holy Spirit was moving him to open his heart he was still an old goat he still was so much about his people the Jewish people everybody else was dogs and so for him he had that encultured with that, what he was molded into, what he was. And so culture spoke so much, nationality spoke so much, or what would be tribal instincts spoke so much that the Holy Spirit had to deal with them. But in dealing with that, he's talking to a larger measure to the church and revibrates in Acts chapter 15 to do with the Gentiles. You never look down on them. So today we can look at color, you can look at rich or poor, you can look at big names or small names, and the Holy Spirit says, okay, let me just handle this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he made us all one. Acts chapter 7, it says, out of one blood. And here is Peter, God had to speak to him in a vision and through the voice of the Holy Spirit. And what was his answer? Not so, Lord, when he saw all four-footed animals, I cannot eat what was unclean. So the Holy Spirit was dealing with him and telling him, what you're doing? And finally, to make the story short, when you turn to Acts chapter 10 and verse 19 and verse 20, the Holy Spirit, while Peter still thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek you. Now this is guidance. In verse 20, this is what he said to him. Therefore, get thee down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. In other words, he's directing his feet. In a personal level, 
but to, so to speak in a larger level to the church as well, which is unique. So now he goes to Cornelius' house. Ordinarily, he would not have gone. Uh, I want you to un understand, this is unique and comical. Actually, they were third class. They were second class citizens who Peter and all his people. The first class people were Romans. Caesar held prey, and he was number one. He said, jump. People said, how high? But here is Peter, a fisherman of all people, still thinks he's the better of them all in the world in which they lived. You still have that, you know, my color or my, my way of style, that I'm better. Right off the bat, I want to know there is no Brahminism in the church. There should never be. We're all equal. Positions may be different, but we're equal at the foot of the cross. We are washed by the same blood, and we have drunk of the same spirit. Nothing more, nothing less. Now he's put into a mat because there were the Judaizers in the Jerusalem church. Excuse me, how many of them are there? There are several. You know, they do not have light. Just give thanks to God for the light they have. But this part of it, they don't have. Like, we may have light on many, but we don't have light on many things. So they were putting Peter on the mat and said, how dare you do this? So here is Peter's answer in the next chapter, Acts chapter 11 and verse 12. Now this has become a doctrine, so to speak, a dogma. The Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me and entered in the man's house. God, the Holy Spirit, was breaking this individual's heart, a man that is loved of God and yet had these distinctions. And God is breaking through, and now Peter is gone, and he's telling these people receive the Holy Spirit just like you and me. These people have been baptized just like you and me. Don't create a distinction. They are part and parcel of us. We are all the body of Christ, white, brown, or black, rich, poor, nationalities, whether if you're from Africa or from Europe or from Asia or from the Caribbean or from the Hispanic world. We are one and one Lord, one bread in Jesus' name. What is very important is the Holy Spirit will lead us into His Spirit. And I want you to know, no matter what a dump that we've been placed in, whatever situation we've been put down into, the Holy Spirit ministers to us. I talked about the last time when John was thrown into Patmos, and when you turn to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, it simply says, when I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice. This is a man that had been so overcome with, I'm sure, despondency. They tried everything to drop him, knock him, put him into a boiling oil, and now banished him into a place. Uh, what a terrible situation. But no matter what the outward circumstances were, it is what matters in the Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Excuse me? People are in church, but not because of coronavirus, because he was thrown into Patmos Island. He couldn't fellowship with the people. He was forced to keep aloof. And he was missing the body of Christ. He was aching for the gathering of God's people. And while he was on the Lord's day, he was in the Spirit. And right there, the Lord took him. And while his body was on the earth, his spirit went to heaven. And the things which he saw and the things which he heard, this is what Peter, Paul said, I has not seen nor hear heard all that the Lord has prepared for his people. I'll just touch number four, but I will basically won't have time to do, uh, I'll do number five, but certainly, but I will want to lead number six, God willing, next Sunday. But number four is simply, is a very important, I think number five is very important, that is to do with the written word. Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 29, I want you to understand, uh, this is very important because what I would be doing is uh, talking about why the written word and then coming to the word and the spirit, or the spirit anointing the word in number six. But here, it's is not my word like a fire, 
saith the Lord, like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. That is the power of God's word. I'll be talking about the importance of God's word and how important the word of God is, particularly in the last days. Heaven and earth will just move away, but the word of God will abide. If you want to know what takes place, and if you want to know how to discern in these last days, and to be able to know how to discern the things you hear and things you see, you need to get into the Word. You need to be like the Bereans, examining the Word. There's no shortcut. Don't try to read somebody's book, and that should not take the precedence of the Word of God. Don't try to listen to people's message. First listen to what God has to say. And all the others are added. There's no book that can say this is the ultimate truth except the Word of God. Go into the Word of God. What I want you to understand, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was resurrected, uh, I want you to just take a few verses and close here. Luke chapter 24 and verse 27. Talking to those two men that was on their way to Amos, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures concerning himself. So if you were to look at the Old Testament, if it did not lead to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're wasting your time. Everything makes their way to the feet of the Lord Jesus. And then in verse 45 of the same chapter, look what he says. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. A lot of people in the natural world, uh, you heard of that SBF, the man who basically cryptocurrency and ran away with it. Some of the wisest men got fooled by this man. I mean, he took the money. I don't think he's got the pull. I don't think he'll see prison like a lot of people like him do. But I want you to know the way in the master-minded to the point, the greatest of the magazines and newspaper put him up in the front. All the while, he was another matter of making his way. But that is not what I'm worried about. There are spiritual fakers. And we look at what Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 20, false prophets will come. And one of the things, the saddest thing, is they're taking the God's people for a ride like the pipe pipers of Hamlin. And people are running away. It's like, my God, these are gods. There's only one God, and there's only one Savior, and there's only one Spirit. And if that person has taken the place of the Lord, drop him. You're in dangerous ground. I want you to know in chapter 24 and verse, uh, we just went into Luke chapter 24 and verse uh, 45, he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. My people are captive because they do not know the word. There's a dirt of God's word, death, and people perish because there's no word. We need to understand the word. And I want you to understand, we need to understand and pray that God would give us an understanding. Go into the Word of God. Go into the Word of God. And in verse 46, listen to what it says here in the next verse. And he said, thus it is written, thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. We come back again, Jesus Christ speaking to the most important fact, if the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not important, my friend, all the miracles in the world and all the glorious thing you hear is nothing compared. You are standing on the ground of the shed blood of Jesus before the Father. You are in heaven because of the blood of Jesus. Nobody should take away the glory of what Jesus did. So in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, and I will talk next week about the word, the written word, and how important the word is to us. And secondly, how the Holy Spirit anoints the word and speaks to us, even though there's no chapter and verse in terms of our life. Everything is not dogma and doctrine, but there are real life situations where we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. And this is why you need to listen carefully in the words of uh, John, my sheep know my voice. And he's telling us to hear him and to follow him. Father, bless your people today.
And as we go into the aspect of listening, in a way that you would speak to us, guide us, help us to go deep into the Word, help us to have a relationship and a love with the Lord our Savior, and to be in communion with the Holy Spirit, that we would be blessed because of all that Jesus did in his precious name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the word of the Lord. To learn more, please visit our website, highlandny.org, or our Facebook page, Highland Church, New York. Until next time, may God richly bless you.